Akers putting his way, Cunningham quick release. Couldn't get it to work. Akers folds up again. Ed Curso. Curno sets him up. Akers from 55 metres out. An open goal. Green needs a good bat. Got it. Can't forget a win. Oh, Redford. He wants to pin the ears back and go himself. He's done this a number of times. In game 100, the Red Dog steps up. Every single Hawthorne person in the house wants to be there when the siren sounds. In 12 seconds, they have possession of the football. And who else but Luke Bruce? His old teammate, Buddy Franklin, retired during the week. Sam Mitchell, for all his glory as a player, this is one of his finest moments as a coach. Simply stunning the Hawks. Round 21 of the 2023 AFL season is in the books. We've got three rounds to go, and it's all happening. There's so much that could still uh, happen in the bottom part of the eight, and some could argue a couple of teams might sneak into the top four, depending on results. It's MPO Sports Podcast, and it's Wednesday night, the 9th of August, and, geez, September is coming quickly. How are you, Woody? I'm uh, going well, actually, but as you said, yeah, still only three weeks ago, but oh, there's still an infinite amount of possibilities with the way that top eight could unfold. I would argue Sheldon Cooper would struggle to come up with a formula to give us an answer on who finishes in the eight. It's that close. No, it is. So even though, you know, Richmond is six points back, but, I mean, you know, things go their way, results go their way. I mean, there's still a sneaky chance, but they're sitting down in 13th. So, you know, the the top four's locked in, but, you know, fifth down to 13th, they're still all playing for spots in the eighth. <clears throat> Very true, very true, and it won't be long and probably our podcast focus will shift again. Um, so we'll enjoy the AFL while we've got it. Talking about the AFL, a little bit of a tidbit. I um, had pre-sale access to the Paul McCartney concert um, via my AFL membership. I log in. I'm in there, in the waiting room, get in there. I'm in through, ready to buy tickets, and it's asking me for a code. I then spent half an hour on the phone to the AFL. This is just how well the AFL run things. Half an hour on the AFL um, <coughs> membership line waiting for someone to answer and then get told, oh, that was a mistake. Log in again, you'll be right. Log in again. Yep, that's fine. I got the tickets, but I'm spewing because I probably would have got a lot better position, all because the AFL are Muppets. No, that's... <laughs> That's fair. The AFL, they're pretty ordinary at running just even the most basic of things, aren't they? <clears throat> Let alone in partnership with another inept um, organisation known t- known as Ticketmaster. Yep. Yeah. It's a great couple, isn't it, those two? Oh, and then occasionally um, the AFL flirt with Ticket Tech, which is just as bad. They're uh, yeah, just a complete um, disarray. All I can say is, Woody, if we ever get the chance to go see Borussia Mooch and Gladback play, I just hope it's not Ticket Tech or Ticket uh, Master that's doing the tickets. Yeah, and while we're on the subject of the AFL just being completely inept at organising the most basic of things, 
So they've released their fixture for the final round, round 24, which <coughs> which they've made a habit the last few years of, you know, only doing a few weeks out. So, you know, they can fixture teams as they like before the last round, which is kind of pointless seeing as how there's a um, buy before the finals now. So just do your fixture and everyone gets a two-week break. There's not much difference between having 12 days off and 14 days off, is there? Um, yeah, it's it, it's only a factor when, you know, you're coming off four or five-day break or something like that and the other team's coming off six or seven. But, yeah, but when um, you chuck an extra week in there, it means nothing, the difference. Well, well, anyway. Double, doesn't matter. So <clears throat> the reason I bring this up, so on the Sunday, there's three games that they've scheduled and all have implications for top eight and top four or top two and, you know, home finals and whatnot. So mm. Port Adelaide play Richmond at the Adelaide Oval. They've scheduled that for a 12.30 start time. <clears throat> when do the AFL yeah. start games at 12.30? Absolutely ridiculous. So they've set it up the final day. So there's three games. You know- There'll be a 12 o'clock start South Australian time. Yes. Well, when, That's when, that is that just – that is amateurish, isn't it? I would have thought, you know, you might see a reserves game in the old school start so, end, but not a senior game. They've set it up so there's no crossover at all between the last three games. So 12.30, ridiculous time. It's in Adelaide, so as you said, 12 – O'clock midday kickoff. Yeah, that is crap. Much that is crap. Um, Sydney versus Melbourne at the SCG at the traditional Sunday time of three twenty. So there's no issues there. And then Carlton versus GWS at six ten p.m. on a Sunday. At they're Wait, just at Marvel. But 6.10 on a Sunday, they are fucking morons, the AFL, aren't they? The latest you want to be playing a Sunday night game or afternoon is 4.40. 6.10 kickoff. So you're going to finish approximately 9.30 on a Sunday night. Yeah, and then you'll allow, you know, your regional travel. Sunday night, people are going to, if they go to that game, not going to be getting home till 11 o'clock or later. On a mm. Sunday night. This is amateur hour at the AFL. Absolutely ridiculous. I would actually protest as an AFL supporter and, and stay home, home. Get up, set the alarm and get up and watch some EPL because that'll be back. That's back this weekend. Absolutely freaking ridiculous from the AFL. You know what? They, they've done it so they don't because they don't want any crossover. Play a Thursday night game then if that's what you want to do. And just have, you know, your, your, you know, 220 game and a 440 game or something on the Sunday. 610 is the dumbest time slot you could ever come up with. Well, play it at 410 a.m. then. What, what? That would be just, well, you could, that would make more you sense. Could, you could, you could either do the Thursday night or worst case scenario. And I know this is not going to be too popular with some people. It's the last round. There's already going to be a week's break. You could play a frigging Monday night game if you have to. Thursday or Monday night, 7.10, 7.20 kickoff would be much better than 6.10 on a Sunday. Yep. Just uh, what a shit show. Absolute joke. 
we, we've sp- said many times how amateurish and how poorly run the AFL is, and they just keep confirming it for us, don't they? Oh, and the amount of people I've had debates with over the years over the round ball game versus um, the AFL and how it's ran, you know, it's just, you know, FIFA run frigging World Cups and don't seem to have too much trouble. No, just the AFL, that that would be the laughing stock of world sport. Like it, other other sports, obviously look at other sporting organisations and get ideas and whatever. But I'm pretty confident all other sporting codes would just laugh at the AFL. Well, even even the MCC, um, as far as cricket goes. Like, if anyone's going to be old and daft and not try new things, you'd think it'd be the MCC or the I, um, what's what they call them, International Cricket Council, the ICC. Yeah, the ICC, yeah. yeah those sort of mobs, MCC, ICC, all those sort of mobs. They, you'd expect them to be old and not want to yeah. bloody be flexible. But no, trust the AFL. Yeah, even Major League Baseball, I mean, they're, they've been stuck in their ways for a long time and they're resistant to change and everything, but... This year, they finally brought in a, well, they brought in a shot clock um, between pitches to shorten the games because you know the amount of time between pitches was ridiculous sometimes, and they've reduced the games to, um, you know, a lot of them going for over three hours to about two two hours twenty minutes now. So the MLB, they're renowned for for resisting change, and they made a positive change with that. And it's just simple tweaks that can make a big difference. But the AFL, they just come up with the dumbest ideas. Well, coming from a sporting brand or code that, um, well, some people debate whether it's a sporting code, where um, old Fuddy Duddies run it and you'd expect it not to be at the times, is uh, Lawn Bowls. And even their Premier League Bowls they do, um, which is, you know, the best of the best playing, They've streamlined the games. The games are done in like two hours. Yep. And and it's something different. It's it's not as bad as the old hit and giggle, which is the BBL and things like that. But um, yeah, even they've got with it. So it's about time the AFL got with it and um, you know <clears throat> tune tune things into the twenty first century. I think we're in, aren't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. The AFL yeah. need to catch up very very quickly. Um, and it's not just it's not just Gil McLaughlin. I mean, they've been pretty poor for a long time, so they need oh. they need someone to come in and really just someone that's got half an idea would do. Let's be brutally honest. The CEO is pretty much there to do the big things, like the negotiation of TV rights, that sort of stuff. Um, he's got someone that he's trying to rely on to do the fixture, and you know maybe if they actually. Thought outside the, you know, the square. Oh, the, it just it just just shows that the AFL have very little regard to the fan. Wow, they had very little regard to the members with the screw up today with the uh, Paul McCartney ticket. So you should have heard me ranting and raving while the kids oh, were on phones. Friends could only a, imagine. <laughs> oh, oh, it pissed me off because. It's the first concert Harry's going to go to, and he loves the old music. So yep. you know, you it's it's like taking a kid to their first footy final. You know, you yeah. Want you want some efficiency? So anyway, uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> our two mobs played each other, and it was a game of two halves, really, because 
the first half, you would argue um, St Kilda were well and truly the dominant team. And in the second half, Carlton were the dominant team. And the um, big difference between the two teams was basically in the second half, clearances. So I think the first half was really the Ross Lyon that we Ross Lyon coach team that we've come to expect, isn't it? Which when we've mentioned before this year that, you know, St Kilda under Ross Lyon this year have been more attacking and more daring, but this was a throwback to the old Ross Lyon St Kilda days, wasn't it, that first half? Yeah, and probably um, one thing that this incarnation of the St Kilda Football Club was, they were pretty efficient with the goal kicking. And that yep. probably made it look a little bit more comfortable for um, St Kilda at half time. But it's interesting, I just, but while we we're waiting to come on um, to the podcast, sitting in the waiting room, I had a quick look at the stats. Only because we got hammered in clearances, I was interested to see how the how the knock the hitouts went. Yeah, the hitouts were like thirty one to thirty three. Yes, they're in Carlton's way, but you can't put it on Marshall that that was a problem. So therefore, the biggest problem for St Kilda was literally the midfield not getting their hands on the yep. ball. So what were the clearances in the end? Do you remember? Oh, it was significant. Oh, yep. I didn't take much notice of the figures, but it's significant. Um, yeah. and yeah, in in particular, the last quarter, the mids could not get their hands on the ball. Crouch was brilliant for three quarters. Yeah, I nah. reckon he may not have touched the ball in the last quarter. Oh, he's not alone though. A lot of a lot of Saints went missing. <laughs> it was one way traffic, especially in that last quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, look, probably what well and truly turned the game on its head was in the third quarter when it was tight. King had a shot at goal. And uh, it wasn't and a tough fa- shot. No, but he, in fairness, he's been kicking pretty well. So yeah. uh, he, it was probably the only miss he had for the day on his shots that he had. Um, but he, he kicks that. Instead of being um, only eight points up or whatever it was, it's a bit of a breather, 14 points up again. Maybe the onslaught doesn't um, come as um, as rampant as it did. It might yep. have been enough just to shut the door a little bit for a bit longer. You get another goal and maybe Kelton don't come back. But unfortunately, he missed it. And, um, yeah, Kelton come home for wet sail. Yeah, I think that that's probably fair. Um, the, the pressure that Carlton brought in the second half and mostly in that last quarter was the same pressure that St Kilda brought to Carlton in the first half, wasn't it? So they sort of flipped the script as far as that pressure was concerned and it made made a massive difference. Yeah, look, um, the biggest thing I can say um, in a negative way about Carlton's performance was they weren't that great in front of goal early. Against a, a slightly better team, <clears throat> they may not have got the opportunity to come back like they did. Well, yeah, but, you know, they, they ground out a win, which was good to see. Um, now, I want to mention Rowan Marshall. Like, we've talked him up quite a few times this year and they've said him and Tim English are probably going to be the the best two Ruckman, you know, sort of in the next five, six, seven years. Um, and you mentioned the hit-outs. 
Um, and Tom DeConing, he actually played one of his best games for Carlton. I've been a, a critic of his um, previously, and I'm still not completely sold on him, but um, he, he acquitted himself what, quite well against one of the, the premier ruckmen as well. Um, just as we talk, I'll have a quick look, just on, on, out of interest sake on that. Um, I'll just look at the um, player stats, as in like... Um, in terms of hit-outs and hit-outs to advantage. Oh. Oh, no, no, not so much that. Um, just comparing the Ruckman. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, while you do that, I'll also I'll, I'll talk about Carlton a bit and what I liked. Um, so the big thing for me was, uh, as I said before, the, um, the, the vintage Ross Lyons and Kilda that we saw in the first half. Um, what I, I liked most was um, in the second half, I think Michael Voss completely outcoached Ross Lyon, and that was a big difference. He, he found a way through through the Ross Lyon tactics, and, um, yeah, the, the team responded. Um, Paddy Dow stood up, which was good. He, he, he kicked a go-ahead goal as well, and he worked hard all day. So it was good to see, see him um, play, play an important role. Well, I'll put it to you this way. Both the Carlton Ruckman, if you're looking at pure stats like the Dream Team um, points, your two Ruckman together had an aggregate of 129 points. Yep. Rowan Marshall had 116 by himself. Yeah. You can only read so much in stat sheets. I mean, you watched the game as well as I did and – um, yeah, it wasn't Rowan Marshall's usually clearly the better ruckman, but it wasn't this case, especially when he was up against De Koning. I think he acquitted himself really well. Well, I slightly disagree because I think one of the upsides was Marshall for St Kilda, and that was about it. To be really honest, well, no, I'm not, not uh, saying that. Not saying you know that Marshall had a poor game by any means. I'm talking about from a Carlton perspective that um, Tom De Koning was able to to match it with with one of the better Ruckman, which I haven't seen before, really. Mm, and he could be out. I oh, know De Koning you're keeping. It's um, Silvani that's probably out the door. Yeah, that's right. And he could, could very well find his way to uh, Moorabbin as well. True, true. Um, it was interesting um, how long Lyon took before he, he brought um, Stocker into the game. Yeah, he, he kept holding off, didn't he? Um, and you could see in the second half, early in the second half, that um, Carlton had found a way to break down the the Ross Lyon scrum. And um, yeah, you would probably, from your perspective, you would have liked to have seen and Stocker come on a bit early just to try something different to to stop Carlton maybe getting back into the game as they did. Yeah, and I also don't believe Ross um, put Mitch Owens in the guts soon enough. He should have probably had a run in the guts um, earlier than what he did. Yeah, yeah, that probably could have happened as well. Philippou still, he was really good all day as well, though. He, If someone was going well, to bring St Kilda back into it, it looked like he might have been the man. But, yeah, um, he, he was the substitution. The, yeah, that's right, um, which was weird. Like, fair enough, just the stocker. Could have come on a bit late, but it was weird that that was that was the change. I thought all I could think of, the only reason I could come up with was 
first year player. Um, he's played every game. Maybe it's starting to. He's getting a bit, a little bit wary. So yeah, maybe that's what that was. Is the one that was an important game for both sides. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I thought I was actually happy to see him come off. To be honest. Mm. Um. Yeah, I just. Just thought that, um, yeah, he, he looked good and looked like he might make something happen up there. But, you know, Ross Lyon obviously saw something different and he had to try something. Because um, if you look at, even if you just look at the scores, I mean, it was one goal three to seven goals nine after half time. So that's a comprehensive beating in a half of football. Yeah, even um, the, the prior weeks, Cooper Sharman, he didn't get anywhere near the ball. Um in the game. So they really relied heavily on trying to get goals through the smaller forwards and King with a few. So that's a bit of a worry. Um, I'm, I'm thinking St. Kilda's almost at the stage where they've got to roll the dice and they've got to, for the last three games, they're going to have to win at least two of them to stay in the eight. Um, you've nearly got to look at guys like Jack Hayes, and um, and memory. Um, uh, well, no, because he was I don't... he was named initially. Memory wasn't he? Was no, he named he, in the in the initial he squad? Named, he was named in the squad, but he was named on the uh, field for uh, Sandringham. Yeah, I'm just going to have a quick look at the Sandringham stats as we talk. Because um, Tim oh. Tim Memory traditionally plays really well against Carlton, so. I was glad to see him not not take the field. I don't but, think he would have been a factor, though, considering um, timeout and that sort of thing. Yeah. But funny but, enough, memory kicked four goals too in the um, yeah Sandringham game. One, the guy I was actually I was going to say the guy I was actually looking for Jack Hayes kicked one goal too, but had fifteen disposals. Yeah, I'm, so I'm one, wondering if. One thing that was evident, though, is as you touched on, you know, it was left up to Max King and he, he didn't have his best game, but he wasn't poor either. Um, so it was left too much to the small forwards. They were just missing that that extra big body up forward, St Kilda, really, weren't they? Yep, and Heath um, kicked two goals, one, and had nine disposals. So I'd be – and he's also quite tall. So you think one well, of those come, has got to come in this week? Well – Heath Max Heath is two hundred and four centimeters. Yeah, and he does play in the ruck. Um, we look at Hayes, and he's one hundred and ninety four. So he's like, you know, about eight centimeters shorter. He's six four, but he's a he's a pretty reasonable shot for goal. I just don't know if Membry's the answer for the last couple of games. I think we're needing a little bit more height because we're reliant on just King. Uh, I wouldn't mind having, you know, say a um, Hayes or even pinch hit Heath because he could give some more relief in the ruck yep. at centre forward. No, yeah, I don't think it really matters which one it is, but I think they just need that big body up there and that was evident on the weekend. Yeah, and you and you want one of one of those two because at least then when you're giving Marshall a rest, you've got someone that's going to at least compete in the ruck. Yep. They've tried Mitch Owens, and he's a trier in that, but he gets bullied in the ruck. 
Yeah. It's a bit like, and, and you can't fault his endeavour and his evidence, a bit like Jack Silvani when Carlton put him there. Yes, he battles, but sometimes he's just, you can't, you can't negate size sometimes, can you? So, and that's, that's yeah. the issue. We've got Richmond this week. So I would be wanting to consider giving uh, Marshall a bit of help. Well, I think so because Richmond. they, they, I think they, they play, they've been playing Soldo and Nankervit at times, I yeah. think, haven't they? Yeah, um, I believe so. And, and even, even if they only play one of them, yeah. um, I reckon you're better off to gang on them and do um, just so, yes. keep them running all around the park. So Soldo, I think Richmond played Soldo and Nankervis last week um, mm-hmm. against the Bulldogs. I mean, they got absolutely smashed. But, um, look, they, they played both of them. Um, I'm just, yeah, they did. I was just checking that they did. Um, so I was correct there. Um, so that that's fairly sizable. So, yeah, St Kilda would need to bring in some relief for Marshall against those two, for sure. I sense, the sense I'm getting is if one of the two was to come in, it's probably going to be Hayes because Hayes was named in the extended lit um, yeah. squad um, yeah. for the weekend is gone. And he's, pro- well, at this stage, I think Heath is the prospect in probably next season. But um, Hayes, even though he hasn't played a senior game since he since um, early last season, he had really proven that he was already at AFL level. Oh, we, we, we've seen with, even though he did his ACL last year, um, St Kilda mm. still <laughs> signed him to an extension as well. So we know they rate him pretty highly. So, um given the chance to play him, I don't think they'd pass it up. No, no, and I don't think they could. So who's Carlton got this week? Um, just uh, Melbourne on Saturday night. That's right. Okay. So, that's, so that's 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 the game that everyone's been looking forward to the last few weeks. The two most so, informed yeah. teams. So it should be um, – we, we'll learn a lot about Carlton this week. They've won seven in a row. They're back in the mix for the eight, but this is this is a massive test. I my only concern for Carlton against Melbourne, as much as Carlton were brilliant in the second half, they can't afford a start like they did against St Kilda, where they're not hitting the scoreboard as accurately as they should against Melbourne. No, no, that's right. They need to need to be on their game. You can't can't be off for even the first 10, 15 minutes because Melbourne will get a jump. Um, one thing that I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but if you look at the way Carlton's played without Harry McKay, um, they've got, you know, Charlie Kern, and he only kicked one goal against St Kilda, but he played a really good game with his work up the ground and, um, you know, his forward 50 entry as well. Um, I don't, I think it's got a bit of a feel and I'm not going to, you know, say, oh, you know, it's, it's an omen or anything like that, but I think. The way that forward line's operating now is a bit like the 2017 Richmond with Jack Rewalt and then the small fleet around him. Um, it's got a little bit of that feel around about it for me. I'm wondering, now that you brought that up, I'm wondering uh, um, if a club needed a forward, if they offered Carlton some coin um, and, and a bit of a trade, um, would Carlton consider McKay out the door? Um Probably not, and it's just because of the length of your link. He's got six or seven years left on his contract. So 
that's that's probably the only thing. If it was only a two or three year contract, I think it would be tempting for clubs to to have a look at. But with with that long left on his contract, um, mm. I doubt I doubt anyone would really seriously look at it because that's a, that's a he, big contract to take on. Is his contract um, the new? Um, you know, we've signed him up too long, too soon. Oh well, it could very well play out that way. I mean, this is this has been he. You look, he won the Coleman a couple of years ago, and he's had a very poor year by those standards. Um, his goal kicking's been horrible. Um, his work around the ground and up the ground's been good, but his um yeah his his goal kicking's just atrocious. So it may very well pan out that in two years, and he's still got five years to go. Carlton will really regret that. There's a good chance. Yeah, yeah true. Unless he true. can really turn around his goal kicking, which isn't impossible because we look at the way Max King has kicked this year compared to the last few years or last couple of years, and you can turn it around because Max King's been a very reliable shot for goal this year. Yeah, look, even the goal that he missed that I believe was crucial at the time and may very well have um, not been... I'm not saying it would have stopped Carlton from coming. It was the catalyst for their their comeback, though, really, wasn't it? It was a turning point for sure. It was a chance to say, all right, you come at us and get one back at you, yeah. and then you might start to go, oh, geez, this isn't as easy as we believe it was. But uh, And momentum's probably the most powerful thing in football. And you've, that's the thing. When you've got the momentum, you have to take those chances. And That's right. And and that one especially that that's why you pay your forwards the money that you do, because you rely on them to kick those sorts of goals. And you know they're not going to kick them all the time, but it was was a crucial miss in the context of the game. That's right. Um, that's right. And also too, I'm still scratching my head. There was which was actually at a crucial time in the game as well by memory. Um, I think it was in the third quarter. Um, how Dan Butler didn't get a free kick for holding the ball um, in the forward pocket late in the third quarter, I will go, hey, it was clearly incorrect disposal and he also had prior opportunity, but the umpires called play on. Yeah, yeah I know the one you're talking about, yeah, and I can't remember who the player was, the Carlton player was off the top of my head, but, yeah, that, lucky to get that. That, um, that definitely should have been, been a free kick. Yeah, uh, and uh, look, we're not saying umpires um, affect the result, but a decision like that can affect momentum, and or it can or paying it can break momentum back the other way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but that look, it's not here nor there. It didn't cost and kill to the game by any means, but um, I do believe um, if you ask what's your decision on the old wide world, on the old world of sport. The umpire would struggle to defend his decision. Oh, for sure. But yeah, the, the way the way the game played out, especially in that second half, um, yeah, to say that it would have cost a game or whatever. I mean, the pressure that Carlton had and the way they were playing. I mean, it it probably wouldn't have had much of an impact. But at the same time, you never know. But again, um, it's the- about taking your it's about taking your opportunities as well when you get them and. And you know you can talk about the umpire making a mistake with that that um, non free kick, but 
Max King made the mistake of not kicking that set shot as well. Oh, that's what I mean. And I believe both both yeah, both those situations should have been goals, pretty much. And that's the thing. So, that, that that's where um, you know you see a lot of footy fans. They they'd rather focus on the umpiring decision, but um, I think from mine and yours perspective, um, we'd rather focus on the fact that the forward should be kicking those goals, and that's what as a club. You, you should only worry about the things that you can control, and that's that's the goal kicking. Mm. I know he hasn't kicked a lot of goal this year, but I tell you what, um, if you were picking the All-Australian team holistically, as in like, you know, pressure, forward 50 pressure, kick goals, that sort of stuff, Dan Butler's had a ripping year. Oh, let's not forget that Jack Higgins has been pretty good as well. So oh, look, and, I'd argue and, the best two small forward combination in the, oh, the in best, the league. They're the best combination. I would say that Brian Myers, um, despite the fact he's kicked hardly any goals, but leads the assists goal assist by a long way, um, would would definitely get a spot in the forward pocket. Which means, you know, if you're looking at Butler and Higgins, there's only room for one of them. Um, mm. Which one would you pick? Would you would you have Butler ahead of Higgins? Oh, look, they both bring two different um, things. Higgins reminds me a lot of uh, Milne in some ways because he can also play that lead-up forward, even though he's a small yeah. forward. But Butler um, can go Milne, up the ground a bit more where Higgins yeah, can't yeah. really do that. No, and, and Higgins does remind me a lot of Milne because of that, because Milne could play the lead-up forward as well. Yeah. And again, um, Milne didn't have the ability to go in the middle either. But Butler, Butler, not so maybe not so good as a lead up forward, but can pinch it in up the ground. And he's also slightly more fleet footed than um, Higgins. So it's a very it's a very good duo to have because they the the things that they one of them can do the other one can't. So they actually their weaknesses, um, for lack of a better term, um, actually complement each other really, don't they? Yeah, and look, if one of those two was to be picked in the All-Australian team, I'd actually like to see it be Butler because Butler got ripped a couple of years ago when Liam Ryan oh, got in over him. Absolutely, he did. Yeah, yeah so I, I would be saying, because it, it's hard to pick between the two, based on that, I'd be hoping Butler got the nod out of the two because he got ripped. Yep. But uh, saying that, um, how's your Falcon watch going? Oh, there wasn't really a genuine Falcon this week. Um, Ned Reeves, um, one sort of hit him as he's turning around in the head. Um, Patrick Dangerfield um, sort of one tapped up and hit him in the face. And then there was another player as well. I think can't even remember which team or which player, but um, just a little bit of, a, bit of a, a ricochet in a scrum where it sort of hit him in the face. But there's nothing... Nothing to get overly excited about this week, so I'm hoping hoping for a big week of Falcons to make up for it this week. So if we have another lean week, I want you to go out and have kicked a kick of your boys in the backyard and one of them take a Falcon, all right? Let's see, I'll just, we'll, we'll just manufacture one. Yep, correct. We need one. <laughs> um, so this weekend, um, with St Kilda potentially <laughs> gone if they don't beat Richmond, 
I'll be focusing on Monday morning because we've got the EPL back. So we may need to have a bit of a discussion on that at some stage as well moving um, forward. Yeah, definitely. We'll uh, have to look at our schedules for that because uh, it's been a while since we've spoken a round ball game. But um, with the season upon us, it's probably a good chance to get Josh back involved too, which is probably 100%. a good segue to give him a plug. I would have thought so too. So uh, Josh Watson will be doing the editing on this, what we call the podcast of podcasts, and he will be utilising Zaggy 2's Velvet Tones on the intro and um, the outro. So how do we um, link in with the podcast? Uh, well, search for us on your favourite podcast flat platform and give us a, a subscribe so you, you get your notifications with the uh, new episodes. Um, Facebook, search for MPO Sport, and Twitter, at NPO underscore sport. No worries. Well, I dare say we should bid everyone a, bear, a farewell, and we will be back next week and discussing round 22. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye.